Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Church London catch-up service. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a passion to present Jesus to London and would love for you to be part of the adventure. So why not say hello to us by visiting our website manualchurchlondon.org so we can get back to you and say a bit more of a personal hello. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Um, thank you for having us. Anna and I. Anna, give us a wave. Um, lots of friendly and familiar faces in this church. Um, just wanted to say, I really love being led in worship by this team. Uh, we, we actually came and visited on a Sunday a while back, just hang out with Ben and Vicks for a bit, and um, just love the way that you prioritize focusing on Jesus and such genuinely very talented musicians and anointing that's in this church. It's really wonderful to be here. So well done, Tim and Amy, for leading such a great team and musicians. It looks sometimes fun being at the front on an instrument. It's actually a tough gig because you get there before basically most other people. It's many hours. You're one of the last to leave, especially when you're setting up from scratch. Uh, so if you're in the worship production setup crew, thank you so much for what you do. Um, just quickly about me, I've been living in Brighton for the last 20 years. I've been a worship pastor uh, at Emmanuel Church, or what was CCK, Church of Christ the King, for most of that time. Uh, came off staff back in September, and now I'm in a startup with Anna. We, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to start something, which is great fun. Um, so yeah, big, big life change. So just learning some entrepreneurial business skills uh, and trying to build something that way as a vehicle for kingdom ministry. Uh, we've got three girls. Two of them are in the kids' work. One of them is here. Rubes, give us a wave. Yeah, it's just genuinely a very exciting time to be here amongst you guys. Um, I'm going to speak to you about one Bible verse one scripture. And before I do, I need to say one thing. Um, young people at the back, give us a wave. Now, I know a lot of you are enjoying time on your devices and DSs and football and stuff like that. Can I ask you for the next half an hour that you put your device down? I believe what I have got to say to you from the Bible will change your life if you open up your heart to it. Can I ask you, and I will do as best as I can to make this message just connect uh, with somebody who's slightly younger, not boring for old people. So can I just challenge you, if you can, tune in. And if at the end of this half an hour, you don't feel like I really understood that, or don't feel like even just God stirring things in you, I'm going to give you permission to throw me in the pool. Yeah. With my clothes on. So young people, show me both hands. Put your devices under the chair. Are you ready? Yes. No. Are you ready? Are you in? Let's do this. One verse. Here goes. Matthew 4:19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, unconventionally, this is not a sermon of three points. It's a sermon of, wait, I won't tell you in a sec. I'm going to split this in half into follow me. That has two points. Fishers of men, that has two points. What does that equal? Oh my gosh. Are you guys following so far? Some of you, if you're struggling, get out. Um, this is a four-point sermon. Here goes. I'll make you fishers of men. Point number one. This is your location. If you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus 
quite a few times says to different individuals, hey, follow me. He says here, this one in, in Matthew 4, this is Peter mending his fishing nets. He goes up to him and says, hey, follow me. He goes to Philip in John 1 in Galilee. Hey, Philip, come follow me. He goes to Luke. Sorry, in Luke, he goes to Levi in a tax booth. Tax booths, not a cool job. Fairly isolated, fairly lonely, not a good place to be. He's sitting there all day long, fairly like shamed by the community. It's not a fun place. He goes up to Levi in that place of shame. He says, hey, come follow me. First point, Jesus comes to your location. Where you are at, he comes to that place and says, come follow me. He doesn't do this. Stand up somewhere high and say, hey, hey guys, if you want to follow me, all of you or everyone in Galilee, just come here. That isn't what he did. He went around, just walking. He just went around. He sat next to people. <laughs> Stu, I see you. I see what you're about. I see what you two are building. I know you. Come follow me. Come follow me. He, he goes to your location. Whether you are a Levi in Galilee, just rocking out, loving it, or right now you're in a, in a tax booth of shame, you're sitting down in a place of hurt, loneliness, worry, panic, anxiety, he'll come and sit with you. Hey, I'll come to your place. I see you. Come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus doesn't just stand distant. Whatever your location, he's prepared to travel. If he came down from heaven and left basically the most luxurious, perfect life you could imagine and made it down into a stable and then grew up, you know, turned 30, if he went that distance, he can go the extra 200 meters <laughs> to where you are. Where are you right now? How are you doing? What's going on in your life? Maybe you're on the front foot, just ready with your hands in worship. Maybe really right now it's just a brave face and the tears are here. Joining in with the banter, but deep down you're hurting. Wherever you are, Jesus comes to your location. And not just once. You know, oh, he came to me once. I remember this really powerful conference. It was amazing he came to me, but that was so long ago. And now I've just drifted so far from Jesus. If I could just get back to him, if I could just muster the strength to find my way back to God, yeah, then, then I could follow. But I don't know if I can. I'm so tired. I'm so beaten up. I'm so hurt. How am I going to do that? Good news, friends. He comes to you again and again and again. Young people, whether you're 12, 13, 14, 16, Jesus comes to you, your age, your time, your place, your school, and your bedroom. He comes to you. You haven't got to go to church to find him. He'll come to you, meet you where you're at. I've been in a place of spiritual vigor. <laughs> I've known what it is to be almost like Iron Man spiritually. 
just like praying, fasting, seeing like incredible provision of tens of thousands of pounds come to us because of prayers that we prayed. Jesus has met me in that place. I've also been sick. I had like a, what felt like a post-viral fatigue. I could barely walk for many months. Just walk incredibly slowly from room to room and just have to sit down all day. Guess what? Jesus met me in that place. I couldn't even get to church. He met me. I've been what felt like curled up on a prison floor in prison clothes. And a light went on in my cell and I was like, I can't believe where I'm at. Guess what? Guess who was sitting next to me? Also in prison clothes. And scars that are worse than mine. He's there with his arms around me. Whatever your location today, he finds you. He meets you where you're at. If you're on the front foot or in a tax booth of shame, he comes to your location and he calls you and he's calling you today. That's point one, your location. Point two, what does he actually say? He says this, follow me. Follow who? Me. Follow who? Me. You're following a person. It's so simple. Notice, young people at the back, he didn't say this. Come follow these rules, right? You want to be a Christian, just follow it. Did he say that? Did it say follow rules? Does it say follow rules? <laughs> I can't hear you at the back. Does it say follow rules? Yes. The primary heart of Christianity is not about following rules. If you just follow these, right, then you can be a Christian. No, it's follow a person. This is about a relationship. Give someone a high five next to you. As surely as you felt someone's skin, as surely as you felt someone's hands, as tangibly and as real and as you could hear that slap, is as close Christ is to us. And he wants to be intertwined and connected and calling us into a relationship with him. When I was a teenager, do you know what I thought being a Christian was? I basically thought it's these three things. Number one, don't get drunk. I was at an age and stage, year 10, 15, where people started drinking at parties. I knew mum and dad wouldn't really like that, so I never told them about it. There'd be a few times like, do you want wine? I was like, yeah, I guess so. But I wouldn't get drunk. Do you know why? Because Christians don't get drunk. That's one of our golden rules, isn't it, surely? Don't get drunk. I thought, as long as I just have one here and there, that's fine. Don't get drunk. Oof, that's crossing a line. You can't do that. Number two, I thought being a Christian was this. Don't have sex until you have a ring on your finger. You hit 16, 17, your bodies are changing. People are experimenting. Hormones are going all over the place. The things you sort of chat about when you're sort of 14 in a jokey way, now is actually happening when you're 15, 16. I thought, oh, maybe I could do this, not this, but don't have sex, you know, don't actually do it. That's, that's wrong. That's actually wrong. So long as I keep this side of that line, then I'm a Christian. And my third rule was, well, obviously, you go to church, don't you? Just go to church week after week. And I remember thinking, just pondering at the age of 16, 17, these three things is basically what I reduced Christianity down to. Is, is that right? And it's a, you know, when you're a teenager, they are very real issues, and they need navigating and parenting, and it can feel like rules. It was actually when I was about 18, I first understood Christianity is not about rules. It's about a relationship. Oh, I can do that. 
I've got friends. I know what it is to have a friendship. I know what it is to go and walk and talk with someone. At the age of 16, I started to go out, even before I'd have breakfast, and just go for a walk in the woods and talk to Jesus as if he was walking with me. I'd walk and talk. Hey, I struggled yesterday, Lord, with this guy in year 10. He really did my head in. And it made me want to punch him. But I knew actually that's not loving him. Like, please help me. I've got to see him again today. And over time, I've developed a relationship with God. This is what Jesus says to the disciples. Come and follow me. And what you find when you follow the person, Jesus, out of this relationship of love, he leads you on paths of righteousness. His spirit inside of you. You know, I used to want to do that. Now I'm close to you, Jesus. I don't even want to do that. I sometimes feel a little bit really deep down. I want to be with you. That's the power of relationship. That's the power of grace. That's the power of walking with Jesus. So it wasn't come follow rules. God gives us boundaries. It's wonderful. But the heart of it is a person. Second thing he didn't say was, come follow this leader. Right? Yeah, it's come follow me. And we do have this in churches and communities. We do follow leaders. And they leaders are a gift from God. He gives us leaders. They're important. But primarily, it's not follow a leader. Maybe some of you, you're, you're the OG Greenwich crew. You've been around for a long time. You know, oh, we, we, we follow Stu and Livy. Yeah, let's plant this church together. There are leaders. Now, what's going on? Oh, is it, oh okay, these guys. Well, no, I, I, I followed them. And every leader's different. I prefer this style. I like this person. I preferred it when it's like this. No, I like this leader doing this. Oh, what's happened to this person? And Paul's really clear in the book of Corinthians. He says, hey, some follow Paul. Some follow Apollos. Apollos sorry. It's not about who you follow. It's about me. Primarily, the first call of a Christian is to follow Jesus. Now, he might lead you for a season to follow a community or a leader that he gives them, but that's because you're following him first. You get it? This is helpful because it protects us. It just protects our hearts. Keep Jesus first and serve the leaders that he gives you second. So it's not, let's come and follow this person. Maybe today you're even struggling. You're in pain. You've been burnt by leadership. I think every Christian has probably because we're, we're led by people who aren't perfect. If a leader has not let you down yet, it's just a matter of time. Like it, will, it will happen. Like just look around. We're just normal people. That's not an excuse, but just to kind of give you a heads up, we stand before Christ, we stand in his grace, we follow him first, and we love our brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, the heart of the gospel is a relationship with a person. It's not follow rules, it's not just, just follow like this leader. Leaders come and go, season change, Christ is the constant. The heart of the gospel is a relationship with a person. So, question for you, Manuel Greenwich and London Bridge church planters. Old people, young people, are you more aware of the rules in your life that you have kept or broken, or are you more aware in the day-to-day of the presence of Jesus? If you are genuinely just more aware of how you're not doing it or doing well, you've got it wrong. Jesus doesn't come to condemn the world, John 3, 17. He doesn't. He hasn't come to do that. He's come to like, lead you to him, and then together to walk in righteousness. How's your relationship with Jesus? This time away is relationship building time.
Go and have a coffee with the Lord. Are you more aware, secondly, of leaders in your life than you are of the leadership of Christ? Jesus calls us to him first. So, we're halfway through. How many points have I got left? Oh my gosh, you guys are so good at maths up here. Um, Come follow me. Point three. I will make you fishers of men. Just two things to say just up front about this before we really get into the heart of it. Uh, just a couple of things uh, off, the, off the bat. Firstly, just fishers of men. It's probably just worth saying, what, no women then? This is, this is a man religion, you know? Just uh, you come with me, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, we'll forget the women. No, that's not what Jesus means here. Men is more represents mankind. This is about humans. And he's not making a distinguishment between men and women. In fact, look at the life of Peter, who he calls through the Gospels and Acts. Many times you see him working and leading with women. So Jesus isn't making a, a, a gender point here. He's making a point not between men and women, but between men and fish. <laughs> right? So you're fishing. Come follow me. I'm using a metaphor here that you get. I'll make you fishes of mankind, hearts and souls. And the second thing off the bat is, like, sorry, fishes of men. So we're all going to be fishermen now. What? Young people at the back. Yeah, to follow Jesus, does that mean we've just got to go and get fishing rods? Right, come on, guys. Let's all go to the Thames and go fishing. No, that's not what he's saying. What's he doing? Jesus is speaking Peter's language. What was Peter, eh? He's like, I see you and I get you. I talk your language. Hands up if you're into football. Jesus comes to a footballer. He's not going to say, listen, I'm going to make you fisher of men. Most of the footballers I know would beat up fishermen. <laughs> Why would one do that? Lonely people. He's like, come follow me, I'll teach you to strike gold. Come follow me, I'll teach you to defend. He talks your language. He understands people. Language is important for Jesus. He always does this. You can catch a fish. Oh, I get that language. Okay. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Out of the sea of idolatry, the sea of suffering, the sea of sin, the sea of insecurity, you're going to catch them one by one, one heart at a time. You're going to do that. You're going to bring them in to a place of safety. And this, friends, let's get into the heart of this point. This is the mission of God. Who wants to hear about the mission of God quickly? Here goes. Jesus is about people, humans. He cares about individual people with lives and stories, histories and futures. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he didn't say, I'm going to build my Odeon. Or I'm going to build my massive you know, weekend away, manor house. Why is that? What is a church? What is a church? Sometimes, yeah, I grew up thinking this, a church is a building. You know, the Greek word church is ecclesia, and ecclesia means called out ones. It's people. I'm going to build people. And I'm going to get this one here. This one who's been struggling and hurting and, and rebellious. I'm going to shower them in mercy, and I'm going to put them in the community. This one over here, turned that back on me, made a whole string of terrible decisions. 
And that was three generations ago. Now you've got grandkids in the same place. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to call them in. I'm going to get this person here who's been abused, and now they're becoming an abuser themselves because they never dealt with the pain. I'm going to go and deal with their hearts. I'm going to give them a new heart. I'm going to transform it. I'm going to bring them into my ecclesia, my community of people. Jesus is about building people. Just look around the room right now. Look at each other. This is one of his ecclesias. We're a community, a gathered community of called out ones. You are in a church, in his church, because he's called you out and put you here. This is the work of Jesus. This is what he's about. What's God's plan A for reaching London Bridge? What's God's plan A for reaching Greenwich? It's his church. It's his chosen method. It's to save individual people and put them into a community. And he said, I'm going to do it. I will build it. So it's God's plan A, Stu and Livy. Is God's plan A for London Bridge, Stu and Livy? Some of you are like, oh, if I say no, I'm going to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. His plan A is that I'm going to build the church. She said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to use these guys and others. But I will do it. Now, what's God's plan B for London Bridge in case things don't work out? God's plan B for reaching London Bridge is the church. God's plan C for reaching London Bridge is the church. Why? Why is all the plan the same? Because it will not fail. When Jesus says, I'm going to build something, he's going to build something. There's literally nothing you can do to stop it. Like nothing. Try and stop the church. People have tried for centuries. Is it the smallest religion in the world? No, it's the biggest. The biggest religion, because Jesus is building it. And when he says, I'm going to do something, do you think he's half-hearted? No. When, when they were like, you know, just a quick story. When they were buying and selling in the temple, uh, sorry, not in the temple, in the, um, in, the, in the synagogue. Is that correct? They were buying and selling in the synagogue. And Jesus, he came, what is this? You're trying to sell things in my house? And he turned over all the tables and he drove them all out. I'm like, gosh, you're like, Jesus really went for it. What was going on there? It says, zeal for his father's house consumed him. Zeal for his father's house. In Isaiah 9, where it talks about his kingdom that will like, just keep growing and growing and growing, it says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When you have somebody who's all-powerful, somebody who can do anything, and he's zealous, do you think anything's going to stop him? No. Like, good one. So his plan A and B and C is the church. It won't fail. Now, right at square one, here's Peter, smelly fisherman. You know, quite arrogant man we see. Hands up if you're arrogant. It's a, brilliant. I love this. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I love it. Who's the most arrogant? I just know. <laughs> he, he doesn't say to him, come follow me and we'll just get you cleaned up 
We'll sort you out. We'll see how you go. And if things are looking good, you know, once you've led a small group, once you've done this, we'll think about getting you on mission. There was no delay. It was, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. The very next thing at square one of their encounter with Jesus is, you are going to join with me on something that won't fail. The ABC, like the very first calling, the year reception into Christianity is fisher of man. This is the, the fundamental and primary call on your life. Christ is a missionary and he gives them purpose, an assignment, a role. Who's been in a team before where you don't have a role? It, it is weird. You, you get invited into a team. Guys at the back, you footballers, can you imagine being asked, like, come and join my new team. I need 11 people. Right, you, 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 your defence, you're here, you're here. You, you're brilliant, but just go and sit on the bench. And you're probably going to stay there the whole game. Brilliant. Are you going to have fun those next 90 minutes? No, you're not. The first thing he does is he gives them a role, gives them a purpose. He doesn't leave them just sort of like, oh, okay. What, me? Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm just a fisherman. I can't do this. I, I, I can't do this. No, you've got a role in my kingdom. Now, notice he also doesn't say, come follow me and I will make you a great worship leader. Uh, a lot of my ministry background has been in, in worship. Uh, started leading worship probably regularly from the age of 12. I was leading in my youth group. Hands up here if you're a teenager. Started leading uh, worship in my youth group, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, and I loved doing it. And I sensed God's hand on me when I did. A grace gift just to lead you know, rooms of people to see Jesus and, and encounter him just by the Spirit. And loved doing that. Um, and it's been a ministry that I've sensed God's hand on. But there was a moment in about 2011, so yeah, you do the math, a while ago, and I was reading through these verses and God really convicted me. Simon, do you care more about how you're doing as a worship leader or helping people out of the sea of sin into the kingdom of light? I could say the right thing, I could say the honest thing. Of course I cared about my ministry. Of course I do. I just want to do something great for the Lord. And this was the most like, you know, it seemed like it was working out well. Keep your head and heart there. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, come follow me. I'll make you a great worship leader. Or I'll make you a great fill in the gap. You know, I'll make you a great entrepreneur. You know, I'll make you a model. I'll make you an influencer. He might do those things, but that isn't the primary call here. It's about being fishers of men. And God spoke to me. We were leading a worship team uh, at the time in Brighton. We had five different sites, a part of what was Church of Christ the King. We had about 100 people on our worship team across the sites. God spoke to me one morning and said, Simon, well done. You're doing a good job. These 100 are fantastic. The next generation of your worship team are currently unsaved. I was mind-blown. I just sat there in my quiet time, just like, what? And it made me look at my city so much differently. We're in a city uh, where BIM, I don't know if you've heard of BIM, it's a big, big music college in Brighton, where like hundreds of musicians come each year to study for a year or for three years. 
I was like, oh, all these, yeah, you guys are struggling for, for bass players, right? There are, there, are, there are music colleges around you, stacked full of bass players. Yeah. I was like, Lord, we need some more, you know, guitarists. Oh, well, look, here's 400 I've just sent to BIM. <laughs> and I realized our worship team was largely built from other people coming from other churches joining us. Or they'd grown up here, like the Gibbs boys. It's amazing seeing some of the Gibbs boys just playing. I met them, yes. I came to your house when you were about two, three, five, six years old. It was mayhem. Absolute <laughs> mayhem. <laughs> yeah. And now I, I come back here and you're sort of all drumming with your six-packs and doing all this stuff. It's, it's mental. <laughs> How did these giants appear? So yeah, our worship team would, would be like you guys, youth group kids, or other churches coming. I looked at our team of 100 people. How many of them actually got saved out of the music scene in Brighton? I like a bit like there's one person, and it was from the 80s. <laughs> and so I really felt, I was like, oh, I was stirred by this. And I Anna, listen, this is what I feel the Lord said. I'm like, we, we need to take this seriously. We can't just stand on the edge of BIM and with big placards like, come to our church, love Jesus, we're normal. Like, <laughs> that's not going to work. No, no, this is not the way of Jesus. Remember, he left heaven and came right down. But Anna, we need, to, we need to, I think you should consider going to BIM. Anna had already gone through a whole math degree with Spanish. She'd already been working for a year or two. I'm like, no, you, you've got a songwriting gifting. I can see it in you. We should go and do a songwriting course. It meant like taking a whole wad of money out of our savings to go and do a whole year course. But we're like in faith. Like, no, come on, Lord, you've spoken. Anna went into BIM for a year as a songwriter. I decided in a nice way, I'm going to ditch my Christian friends this year. I didn't ditch them, ditch them. But I just, I'm going to make a conscious effort. Anna's classmates are going to become my classmates. Anna's classmates have got a gig in Brighton. I'm going to go to that gig. I'm going to stand there. We're going to support them. I got to know loads of her like, friends in the class by name. Some of them went on to be our babysitters. We thought, you know what we should do? We should start a small group for BIM students who don't even go to church yet. But don't tell them it's a small group. <laughs> How sick would that be? So we decided, and I talked to the pastors back in Brighton, I was like, listen, do you mind if we just try something small group-wise that is more like mission-focused, just to get people in? God's called us to reach some people here. And so we decided, let's have a meal every Wednesday, and we're going to just be a community, be a family, but we're going to open up the scriptures, and just, I'll tell you what we do, let's just go for a parable. The parables are easy, there's like stories, you know, they can, they can understand that. So we did, we started with, with the three bimmers who were part of our church, said, listen, we're on a mission, come and join us. And over the space of months, that group grew and grew and grew. I think we had about I don't know, 20, 25 people, names on the books, but usually only about 12 to 15 at one time would come. But every Wednesday, we'd just cook for that many people. We'd sit around the table, just all catch up. Then we'd get people in twos and threes. I'll be really upfront. Hey, we wanted to make this community a place like we can learn spiritually about God. And he's done so much in our lives. And we just want to like, make this a safe space where you can learn too. So here's the parable. I'll do like a five-minute teach. And I gave them like two or three questions. Um, and over time, people came. People started to come into our church. I tell you, we had our first BIM baptism at, like a couple of years later. I was sobbing. <laughs> I was like, do you repent of your sin? <laughs> In the name of the Father. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really big deal. But God had called us and me to be missionaries. Like, I have a very clear ministry in church, in the worship world, 
Jesus was like, you do, well done. That's still second to you being a fisher of men. He has many people in London he wants to save. Many people in London he wants to save. Sometimes it can feel quite overwhelming, can't it? Like, how are we going to save a whole city? Like, how are we going to do that? Here's how. Would you like to know how to reach a city? You do it one heart at a time. Now, Jesus is about people. One person at a time. You know, in Charlton, (laughs) there's this one street I think it's pronounced Kinvici Gardens. <laughs> and on that street, there are so many broken people. They go about their day-to-day lives, they're parenting, they're doing stuff, but they're struggling, they're hurt, they're issues, cycles of pain, <coughs> idolatry. They're living in darkness. House after house of, of person that just don't know Jesus. How are we going to reach that street? <gasps> Josh and Katie Greenway. <laughs> if we could just plant them right there. And in the book of Acts, it says he chooses the exact locations where they are to live. If we just plant them right there, over time, just getting to know individuals, over time, just starting to connect with people, over time, just starting to build relationship, one person at a time. You know, there's this creative agency in London Bridge. Um, It's growing, it's doing really well. But there's people in there who are struggling and hurting. How are we going to help reach that pe- those people? Influential job, creative job role. H- who's gonna, who can we send? Lara from Brighton. If we could just get her a job in London Bridge, and we could just plant her in that agency, and through her incredible storytelling, through digital media that she does, And through just being a consistent presence and a friend to people around her, she will begin to shine the light of Jesus in London Bridge, one heart at a time. One heart at a time. You know there's this school, Ark Greenwich. You know the school? Full of wonderful young boys and girls. Wonderful people. Some of them from great homes, some from broken homes. Some of them going home to things in their households that would make you sick. How are we going to reach Art Greenwich? Like, what's the plan? What are we going to do? How can we help them? It's really key foundational years in people's lives. You know, there's one boy, Samson. He's, he's just 12 years old, but some revivals got started by 12 year olds who took time to pray in the playground and see things change. If we could just put Samson in our Greenwich and surround him with a group of guys and girls in a youth group to support them, build them up, go in there, not just like I hate school. I'm going in as a missionary. I'm going in as somebody who knows Jesus. I'm going with somebody with answers. I carry light. I'm going in. I could introduce people who are struggling to another way, to a community, to mums and dads who can care, get around, build family. Greenwich, Deptford, Charlton, Woolwich, Blackheath. God's heart is for you. Canary Wharf, get out. <laughs> it's north of the river, isn't it? Like, no, no Jacob. I better wrap up. 
Quickly, this last point. Maybe you feel like you can't do it. Maybe you feel like, oh, I've tried mission. I just suck at it. I can't do it. Here's three encouragements, then we'll just wrap this up. Jesus says this, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, come follow me and be a fisher of men. Come on. It's enrollment time. Stand up. Give me 50. Go and fish. Not good enough. Give me another 50. Go back. Try again. What is this? Detention. He doesn't say that. He's not some general in an army, and when you're not cutting it, he's hard on you. What kind of evangelism is called this? What a pathetic alpha course. <laughs> call yourself a missional community? You can't even spell missional. <laughs> is that the kind of Jesus we see here? No, he says, come follow me, and I, the zealous one, will make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you. I am taking responsibility myself. I will put my name to you. I'm going to apprentice you. I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to help, I'm going to help you grow. Some of you, you know what it's like to be thrown in the deep end with no head on platforms. That's great fun. Number one, Jesus, I will make you. Number two is this. Uh, in 2 Kings 5, we, uh, it says this, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us. Which means this, when you fumble out, some like, awkward words of like, oh, well, you know, I, I go to youth group or, you know, can, can I pray for you? Or, you know, uh, why are you so different? Oh, Jesus is my savior. It feel, it, <laughs> doesn't it feel awkward sometimes? Do you, do you ever feel awkward talking about Jesus in church? You guys at the back, in your, in your at school, does it ever feel a little bit awkward talking about church and Jesus? You know, I, I feel very comfortable standing in front of thousands of people telling them about Jesus. Put me in front of my neighbor. I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, get all sweaty. And you're like, oh, well, like, you know, sometimes I, I go to church. It's like, oh, this is so awkward. Here's the good news. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God is making his appeal through you. Your fumbly words, this might fall out like this. God is working through them and making an appeal. He is working through you. So just like in The Lion King, don't pretend you haven't seen it. <laughs> He's like in the elephant's graveyard, just like, like a little roar. Then he does it again, but Mufasa is roaring behind him. God has committed to make his appeal through you as you speak. So you've got Jesus. I will make you. You've got the Father roaring through you. And Acts 1 verse 8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You aren't even just on your own. You actually receive power. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, all three members of the Trinity are around you, supporting you to be a missionary. To go one heart at a time. To grow and build churches in the communities of London. To join in with his zealous mission. To go and be the very best video director you can, to go into the business world and smash it and shine a light and just talk to people while you're having coffee, to go into your schools with the power of Jesus and talk openly about what it's like to be a Christian and to go to youth group, you receive power. This is ABC Christianity. This is the absolute basics. The enemy's so good at making us think he's about something else. It really isn't. The, the thing he is doing on earth is building church. Did you know the church has his full, fixed, focused attention all of the time. 
Did you know that? Jesus doesn't have you know, a few other things on his to-do list. Oh, gosh, there's a church as well. Better talk to okay, great, well done. Here's my presence. Whoosh, yes, lovely. Go have a good one. All right, anyway, what was I doing? Um, no, this is the project of the universe. It is not peripheral. It's not like a sideline back boiler. This is the main thing that he is orchestrating all of history to do, and you're in on it. You're in. He's sending us to go. Now, I'll quickly finish with this. During the prayer meeting before this, um, somebody shared about God, a little picture about it raining, and it just raining. And seeing people in the rain um, frustrated that they're getting wet. Oh, this is annoying. But they had an umbrella, but it was like wrapped up. It was closed. And they were just, oh, I'm just getting wet. It's so frustrating. And then the picture changed. There was an empowerment to come up, open the umbrella, then like, huh, I'm okay now. And the phrase was, there's a, a heavenly, um, was it empowerment or heavenly? Act, yeah, heavenly activation. Right now in your Christian life, you might just be like, oh, I'm getting all this sucks. It's so boring. Oh, this rain. I hate church. I just, oh, these leaders, they're my head in. Look at them. I'm just struggling at youth group. This is so hard. You know, all my issues. Oh, no one cares about me. My life's so hard. No one cares about my issues. Just getting soaked. And there's a heavenly activation right now. And the umbrella to protect you from that is going to be you joining in with the mission of Jesus. It's a perspective changer. It's like an energy bringer. And some of you, as I've been speaking, God has been putting things in your heart again in a fresh way. I've totally just left this umbrella here. God is wanting to call you and activate you today into his mission in London. If you are sensing in a fresh way, Jesus has come to your location today and him saying, come on, come on, come follow me. I'm going to ask you to stand. It's not a judgment if he doesn't, because some of you might be absolutely flying as missionaries. And it's just like, yes and amen to everything that's been said. If God has been stirring in you in a fresh way, the call to be a missionary for his kingdom, no matter you're young or old, guys in the youth group at the back, this is for you too. You sense a stirring and a call to partner with Jesus in building his church, to be a missionary, to follow him. Just stand. It won't be everyone. That's fine. Let's just close our eyes, shall we? The band, do you want to come up? I'm going to hand over in a moment to these guys. Let's just open your hands to him. Actually, don't open your hands. Do this. Keep, well, you've opened your eyes now. It's fine. I want you to act out opening up an umbrella and put it over your head. Come on, shut your eyes. Don't be weird. It's fine. There's a spiritual empowerment. Come on. This is an umbrella that says, I'm not going to just be focused on myself. This is me saying, Lord, I'm not going to stand in the wet and be a complainer when you've actually given me the very thing I need to follow you and be okay. Now come, Lord, every person who stood in faith, come upon them again in power. 
You're so merciful. <laughs> You're so merciful. Come with your understanding. Thank you right now. You meet them in their location, exactly with their, you know, their pain, their story, whatever it is. Now come, Holy Spirit. Come in power. Just come. Don't worry about the band. Just, just look to him. Some of you, you might even just feel like, oh, Lord, I just need to, I need to repent. I've had this umbrella wrapped up and just get wet and complain for years. Lord, break my heart. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry. Come, Holy Spirit. I'll stop talking here. Let's just let the Spirit move. He's dialed in. He's got your number. He wants to say things to you.